So hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Saladcast this season with myself, Glenn Price, and joined as usual by Ollie Warner. And Ollie, you know, we left last week being very negative, but um, yeah, we've ground out a win this weekend, which is the most important thing in terms of the season and trying to rescue the car crash that has been the start of the season. So yeah, nice, just at least time, I suppose, um, covering everything else that's going on at the club, but just time to enjoy a win at the moment, I think. Yeah, you've got to enjoy the wins, haven't you, Glenn? You've got to enjoy them. You know, we want the team to be successful and we're frustrated and we'll discuss it. But also, um, I think as a podcast, we've always been quite keen to, you know, to highlight the positives, you know, who's doing well, what's going well. The manager's got got to get a lot of respect, I think, for the plan. It was a defensive counter-attacking plan at home, but got the result. It's a results-based game. We want the manager to get the results. So you've got to give him credit and also the players for carrying out the, the manager's instructions. So I definitely had a few beers on Saturday night um, in kind of celebration <laughs> of, of, the, of, the, of the victory. Well, I did. I mean, I mentioned last week, didn't I, that I'd invited some old school friends down or we just met up for the weekend and <clears throat> had a pint in the Grove beforehand and then went up the fan zone and, and bumped into my kids and my dad and all the other lads that I usually go to the games with. In fact, my, my mates were there and they haven't seen my kids for about four or five years and they ran up to me, give me a cuddle and the first thing that came up my daughter's mouth was, Dad, have you got any money? And then they went straight to the burger van. So I thought that was a real good indica- <laughs> indication of what my daughter wanted out of me there. But um, yeah, so it was nice, but it was interesting because I've been able to kind of garner, you know, some proper sort of kind of neutrals of, of what they thought of the game and, and um, what they thought of town, I suppose, which I'll sort of interlace as we go through the game, Ollie. But, you know, in general, um, and went out afterwards as well for a nice night out so you know one of those weekends where I didn't do too much tweeting on Saturday night and just enjoyed the win had a few drinks with some friends you know put the world to rights and um, there's a lot to be said for that because it has been pretty dark hasn't it these last few weeks and um, I am just gonna I'm just gonna yeah labour in a bit of uh, positivity for once yes good good win <laughs> nice goal good defensive performance and good performances from the players so yeah not not too much to just obviously we didn't create a lot of chances but at the end of the day, we won the game, so that's yep. all that matters. Yep. There's a lot to unpack when we get to the game, obviously. Yeah. A lot of statistical things and you know master plans and all that sort of thing. But uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Unfortunately, we have got to dig in, and we're probably just going to cover this up front because, interesting, if you go to the BBC website now, Ollie, um, and in fact, I've got it on my screen here, and you look at the match report for the MK Dons game, right? So, Shootertown fan logs on here to have a look doesn't start with anything to do with a wonder goal from Wally. It doesn't you know do anything to do with that story of us getting our first clean sheet. What's it talk about? Shrewsbury Town say they are deeply appalled having to reject one of their two of their own spectators for alleged racist gestures during the one 0 win over MK Dons at Montgomery Waters Meadow. Obviously, pretty big news, um, and the lead story on the BBC, unfortunately. So, b- before I ask you about it, really, I suppose it's probably just worth covering um, the the statement Shrewsbury put out straight after the game, which was good. It was nice and you know instant and timed, and it seems like something's going to be happening, but. Statement says, Shrewsbury Football Club bitterly disappointed and appalled to report two individuals were ejected from Montgomery Waters Meadow due to alleged racist gestures during our Skybet League One fixture with MK Dons. Shrewsbury Town and West Mercy Police will now conduct a full and detailed investigation. Should these allegations prove true, any individual guilty of these disgusting offences will receive a lifetime ban from all Shrewsbury Town fixtures. The club will work closely with West Mercy Police and support any action suggested. Our football club has always had a zero tolerance to any form of racism and discrimination. These behaviours aren't welcome in our club and do not have any place in society. I would say, Ollie, of things that have gone wrong with fans, pitch invasion and stuff, that is the strongest and clearest statement the football club have ever put out on any matter ever. And I think it's pretty clear that if it's true, these people are not going to be watching Shrewsbury Town again. Yeah, I think it was great that the club put something out quickly, Mm -hmm. um, dealt with the matter on the day as well, which was good. It's a sad indictment of... Um, people and some of our fans um, that this stuff keeps going on especially considering you know a lot of our players and some of our uh, legends in our history are black players mm-hmm. so for me it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever yeah and it was clear on the day wasn't it something was going on we couldn't you know tell exactly what had happened but um, there were stewards going up and down and then we started to get more and more chants didn't we from MK Dons who had obviously that the fans had obviously either heard what had been said or had seen the, the gesture sorry it was a gesture wasn't it rather than something that was said um, so so it was clear to MK Dons straight away what had happened and their fans were pretty appalled by it as well so yeah I just I don't know it almost feels like we finally got that win and, and you know got our first clean sheet and just things like this kind of come along and shoot you in the foot don't you as a football club and you're having to fight fires when you know the news should have just been good Saturday night shouldn't it Yes, Saturday night should have been a celebration um, of of a good victory, and a uh, you know town fans went left home being really happy. That wasn't the only thing I saw that kind of brings disgrace to Tuesday town fans. Oh, Hope Andy doesn't mind me bringing this up, but I saw um, Andy um, who uh, who goes on Twitter at Kit Club um, had posted a video of the flags at the side stand, and someone with like an anonymous account who doesn't have doesn't have enough bravery in themselves to show their face or their name gave him homophobic abuse um, and it's just 
yeah, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's pathetic. Um, and these people hiding behind, you know, not showing their true name because they're cowards um, and don't have the, the bravery to actually, you know, if that's what they think, you know, show your face and then we can then we can talk to you and we can see who it is. But hiding behind a, behind a fake name or whatever is just, um, yeah, just cowardice. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, obviously my account on Twitter is Boone Amber Fanzine, but it's pretty clear in the bio who I am and, and, and who, who I am. So, you know, I will stand behind anything I put behind on Twitter and it will, will never be racist or homophobic or discriminatory in any way. It'll always be, um, you know, might be pretty negative and pretty pretty bad for players, but that's just me being honest. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I would stand up with anyone on Twitter using fake accounts as a bit of a bell end at the end of the day. And um, and these people, whoever it is that have done these things in, in the stand on Saturday, uh, as I say, it, it'll be interesting because just going on off on a little tangent, Ollie, you know, obviously we had those pitch invasions, didn't we? And the football club said a full investigation will be launched. And, you know, we never really get any feedback on things like that. Maybe that investigation is still going on, but I would imagine this will probably be a lot swifter because if, if any national news picks up on this sort of thing um, over the next couple of days and, and it goes bigger, then, you know, we, we could find the football club being dragged through the mud even more, which us normal sane fans don't want to see, do we? No, we don't want to see it. No. Maybe a no. controversial statement, Glenn. Mm. But imagine this was a 16-year-old kid who's who's done something because he's copied a mate or a parent or, or a guardian or someone else. Is a lifetime ban for someone who, you know, we want to educate these people? Um, I'm not sure if lifetime bans are mm. necessarily the right thing. I think someone should have the opportunity to kind of learn and, and improve and, and, you know, kind of become educated. So I'm not sure if lifetime bans work. I think it, probably every case needs to be taken on its merit. Um, I thought that was I don't know yeah it's an interesting question I don't you know I don't have all the answers nor do I imagine Ollie but yeah there's maybe some merit in saying that but um, definitely punishment of some kind and and And, and zero tolerance as well yeah that's good. I thought that was good. The football club addressed it front, and I thought we we would you know we'd like to get straight into the positives of a win. But you know, as I say, it, it seems to be from a lot of the media I've seen today it is overshadowing the result, unfortunately. So it's worth covering up front. But um, I think yeah, that we've had our say on it. I think yeah, credit to the club on that one. And um, yeah, well, I suppose we'll move on to the game now, Ollie um, versus Milton Keynes, and then we can cover the the cup win afterwards. And we've got a couple of fan questions, haven't we? So we're um, planning to get our teeth into now. It's been easy for Chelsea defensively, has it? From these corners, some big lads, Shrewsbury Town. The usual suspects wait. Oh, and Grandison was up, and it's in! How about that for instant impact? Andy May in the substitute! So, yeah, Shrewsbury Town won. Uh, Milton Keynes Dons, always good to get one over them, Ollie. Uh, nil. Um, goal from Sean Wally on 56 minutes. So, yeah, two and two from Sean. Um, Still our best player, Ollie. After all these years, why it's looking like it. Um, but uh, yes, you've got a mad stat, Ollie. That it just says mad stat in the agenda. I'm, I'm waiting to see this one myself. Yeah, so I've taken this from from Chris Allen, who was replying to um, a Dale Skitt um, tweet that went went pretty had a lot of likes, a lot of comments on it. Um, so Chris Allen said, "Great stat is at Lewington for for MK MK yep. uh, made his first senior football league start on the day that Tom Bloxham was born, first November." <laughs> 2003. That's amazing, isn't it, to be fair? Do you know what? We, we were talking about Lewington during the game. For, for his age, he's still a very good League One player, isn't he? He was pretty yeah. solid in terms of his overall you know, defensive ability and getting forward on Saturday. And you can see why he stayed in League One with Milton Keynes for, for so long, really. But yeah, that is a bit bonkers, isn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, we'll talk about it later on. When, when Tom Bloxham was chasing down when he came on, was it Lewington he fouled? I can't quite remember. Yeah, but, it was, yeah. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> that's fine. He was born the day that he made his debut. That is absolutely bonkers, isn't it? And um, yeah, he's been a good servant, hasn't he, Lewington, I suppose, for them? Yeah, he has been a good servant for, for Milton Keynes, um, mm. to be fair. He did actually play for Wimbledon. He played 29 yep. games yep. for them um, in 20, um, 2003-2004, um, which was a long time ago. I was still at university, it was that long ago. I'm trying to remember, he moved with them, didn't he? Like, he did Wasn't he one of the players them, yeah. that moved yeah, with them? Yeah. And he obviously got a bit of grief for that back in the day. But um, to have stayed there the whole time, they've been a football club, is pretty bonkers, isn't he's, it? But, he's um, played, he's played um, over 700 games in his wow. career, Don't and know. that is just a phenomenal number. Um, yeah. Full yeah. respect to him for that. He, he's one of those players that, you know, he does play out a little bit. I did enjoy yes. the, the dive, and the referee just ignored it, um, which <laughs> I thought was quite funny. And to put it into context of kind of... So our very own Sean Worley... Glenn has played mm-hmm. 500 and so games, 527 or something like that games. Yep. Um, so yeah, to play 200 more is quite <laughs> phenomenal. So fair play to him for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see who's actually played more 
Wally or Bennett, Elliot Bennett. I'd have to have a look at that. I mean, maybe something to report on next week, Ollie, when we come back. But yeah, yeah, mad, mad to get play that many games, isn't it? In fact, I was listening to um, uh, the Newcastle. Well, just watched the Newcastle game. It, this, I didn't realise that Steve Bruce had he'd been in football consistently, either playing or managing for some like absolutely bonkers period of time. Like played over nine hundred games consistently, went straight into managing 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 a team, and now's managed a thousand games in a row as well, which is pretty good. I can't imagine that's been broken that record. But um, anyway, Sean Wally's our, our ongoing uh, legend, isn't he, in terms of appearance? So we'll see how many more he can rack up as we go. Yeah, on. Elliot but, um, Bennett has played 430 okay. um, plus the ones this season. So yeah, it's, it just mm. shows you seven how strong 700 number is. Yeah, interesting. Um, some other stats before we get to the game, Ollie. First clean sheet in 16 games. Thank God for that. I mean, we're going to talk about it at the end. It was a massive relief, but um, I bet the defence and goalkeeper are absolutely um, delighted to get that monkey off their back. And we did say last week, you know, if we lost or drew, we would be doing worse than we did under Ricketts after 13 games. So the win means we're a point better off than we were last season, um, which is a start. We're back in the positives. Um, and obviously, as I said, last week, Ricketts got sacked on game 13. So I think that just, again, that gives some sort of... Uh, yeah, context of the game really of how big it actually was and, and why getting a win was quite as vital as it was Ollie. a win was huge wasn't it yep. absolutely yep. huge um, especially with Cambridge coming up a game that we should be winning at home a win against a fancied side was huge and yeah it would have we probably would have been maybe bottom of the league in a couple of weeks time which would have been pretty, pretty depressing well, the way Doncaster are going, I think we might avoid that for quite a while because they can't buy a win, can they? So, um, but they did beat the MK Dons a few weeks <laughs> they ago. They did, but they lost the weekend, didn't they, to Wickham? Yeah. Uh, although we did as well. So there we go. Um, so yeah, let's run us through the team, Ollie. Um, you know, there's, there's a few out at the moment, but uh, what do we put out there? So we had Murray seeing goal. Um, we had a, a, had a few changes, actually, in this side for a change, which is nice. Yeah. So we had Murray seeing goal, Bennett and, and Pennington, Ebanks, Landall, Nurse slotted in at left centre-back, and Ogbetta came in. You must have been chuffed to hear that one, Grant. Well, certainly was, yeah, yeah. It was uh, out from the in from the cold, really, wasn't it? And uh, I thought, you know, overall did quite well in the game. But um, yeah, it was just nice to nice to see him back generally. And uh, let's try and reintroduce him to this team because I think you know once he gets a run of games under his belt, surely he's going to be uh, an asset, isn't he? So um, that was that. And then yeah, we'll run through the rest of the team, Ollie. Um, Davis and Leahy in central midfielders. Um, Wally as well, knocking around in there, wasn't he? Um, whether he was up with Cosgrove and Ado or in with Davis and Leahy, he was sort of shuttling between. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, Cosgrove and Ado up front, Ollie. I have to say, when I looked at the team, it was nice to see Ogbetta coming in there. But the one thing I was quite surprised about, particularly as Cottrell's been banging the drum about, I can't play Boxham away from home, I can't play Boxham away from home, we're home, and he still didn't start Boxham. And I was a bit surprised with that, particularly with how abjectly shit um, Cosgrove's been. I was surprised he got another start. Unless there's a plan behind it, maybe he's going to mm. start away at Oxford or Cambridge. So maybe there's yeah. a plan, but I understand where you're coming from. I agree. Um, and particularly on this performance, um, the decision <laughs> looked quite unwise. Um, <laughs> it did. <laughs> so, yeah, game started. Uh, Milton Keynes play in a 3-4-3. And actually, we swapped as well. I, th- I, th- I thought we were playing in a 3-4-3 as well. We had Costco over at front and we had a Doe and Worley playing as kind of attacking midfielders, strikers, sitting deep. a bit deeper. So we seem yeah. to mirror their, their, their team. Um, we started in a low block. Uh, Milton Keynes are famous, you know, for their passing football over the previous years. Um, and I think fair to say, you know, the game kind of started as we expected. Shrewsbury defending deep and Milton Keynes having the ball. They did make some inroads into dangerous areas, but most of their efforts actually came throughout the whole game, didn't they, Glenn, from from long range? Um, we can say it now, obviously the fans will know the result, we defended the centre area of the pitch really well on Saturday. Probably the best we've done all season for the three centre-backs, those three particularly who've, who've played a few games together when Pierre's not been there. I think that was the best performance we've had from those three as, as, a, as a block, um, you know, as, as a brick wall really, as they were on Saturday. Um, and we'll talk about who stood out as the game goes on. But yeah, I mean, it did settle into the pattern I expected. Um, we were incredibly defensive um, and it didn't, you know, let's be brutally honest about it, we won the game but during this first half there was a lot of concern watching it because we were incredibly deep um, and, you know, we got to 30 minutes with 19% possession. We'd had like 72 passes in the first half half an hour of the game. It was, we couldn't we couldn't get the ball. We looked like we were playing Brazil 1970, do you know what I mean? And we were just <laughs> sitting in as a, as a non-league team. It was quite stark how much less of the ball and less play we had but we did still carry the occasional threat going forward and that you know clearly was the plan when we look at the end of the game now but it was just it was difficult at that point in time to see us you know being able to find that goal and it was also really difficult as the first half unfolded to think at some point Milton Keynes are not going to figure out how to score here you know obviously as the game went on the second half we realized they weren't but um in that first half you just you did feel like you know once we go behind here we're out of it I'd agree with you that if we'd have gone behind it would have been quite difficult against a team that has 
such a high amount of possession, especially as we were playing defensive counter-attacking football. If they take the lead, they don't need to push men forward and that would have mm. made it harder to counter-attack. But Milton Keynes are kind of the gift that keep on giving for us, aren't they? Um, you know, they play all this nice possession football, which I love possession football, but I also love winning games um, and, you know, scoring goals. Yeah. So while they had five shots, we had one, and four of their shots were blocked. Um, so great defending from Shrewsbury Town perspective. Yep. I'd say we, we probably created, we're quite even in, in terms of real chances. Um, obviously, we're discounting here the one where we'll come on to the Bennett chance where um, Odo didn't make the best movement. So mm. while I would say they looked, they had obviously a lot of possession, they dominated the ball, I didn't think they were, they didn't really threaten us. And I don't think they were great. And overall, their XG was only one, um, was 0.9. Um, and that includes obviously some of those headers in the second half. So while I say, yeah, MK Dons were on top in the first half, they didn't create a lot of clear-cut chances. Yeah, it's nice to disagree at times, Ollie. If we're talking in, in terms of the first half and not the whole of the of the second half, I thought we were absolutely abject in the first half, Ollie. I thought there wasn't enough pressure, there wasn't enough press up front. Um, yeah, but Cosgrove we were was... pressing on purpose. Like, that's an interesting topic. I don't know. I, interesting I, topic. Yeah. Wally was running around on his own like a plonker, pressing people when no one's there. There's no point pressing on your own because people just pass around you. We weren't pressing because that was the plan and it worked really well. Yes, it's frustrating being at home, not seeing your own team try and win the ball back. Now, we've seen that Shrewsbury Town are statistically one of the most pressing teams in the division um, in terms of winning the ball back um, in the opposition half. This game, we completely dropped it. So while it's frustrating, that was the tactics. Um, and to be fair to manager, it worked on Saturday. Yeah, but one fun to watch, was it in the first no, half? No, it wasn't I, fun I to watch. I completely agree with you, and, and it did feel like we were, we were. Yeah, I can understand what you said about the chances, and they didn't create too much. Although there was that big Morosi save where they finally did play a couple of nice passes around on the edge of the box. They played a guy in around the back where I think it was Pierre got caught in. Uh, not Pierre Ebanks got caught in a bit of no man's land on that one, and um, you know. All he had to do was lift it over Morosi because he committed to making a low save and actually Morosi stuck a leg out. And in retrospect, that was probably the massive point of the first half, just keeping level. Um, but they, I agree, they didn't really create too many chances outside of that. But we created next to nothing as well, I suppose, in terms of good chances. There was, the, as you say, that Cosgrove one, which was um, from a nurse cross, hey, kind of got cleared. Hey, he was and, weak, yeah. It was just, you know, he could have you know, gone into it in slow motion, the goalkeeper, and still picked it up. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I honestly didn't think we played very well in the first half. And, and there was a lot of frustration towards the end of that first half, particularly at Cosgrove, right? Rightly so, because he'd, he'd been so bad. But um, I don't know. I just I just felt like we were maybe a step or two short. And I think the answer is obviously we made some slight tactical changes in the second half, which um, clearly you'll talk about now because you, you picked up on that in the agenda. But you know, it shows we still played a counter-attacking game in the second half, but it was just much better, wasn't it? The way we applied ourselves to that counter-attacking football, and yeah, it was it was a it wasn't a very entertaining first half. It was probably one of the most boring halves of football I've ever seen. Um, but um, yeah, we stayed in there. We we got there at nil nil half time, and at half time when we got in at nil nil time, I was quite happy with that. Yeah, half time. Like, so what did I say? I said that I thought that we were poor at half time, um, but that's different to the pressing, the path, the pressing point. Um, yeah. And Cosgrove was clearly having a shocker. Um, lots of grumbles <laughs> about his performance in the West Stand. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great first half, but that was part of the tactics I thought in terms of how we were going to play. The best chance in the first half of Shrewsbury was that storming run from Bennett into the box. But I don't understand what Ado was doing here. He had a good game, but this specific moment is why he doesn't score goals. He almost. He's almost trying to hide behind the defender. He doesn't mm. give an angle for Bennett at all. And those little moments are the ones that frustrate us. Um, I know they frustrate you, Glenn, because you want to see more from our strikers. That's why he gets so much credit for doing all the stuff. Like, you know, the best moment of his game in this game happened on the halfway line, you know, and when he played Wally in for the goal, he really doesn't do a lot in the box, does he? But, um, you know, on this in this circumstance, he did enough to contribute towards a winning goal, so you can't really be too crit- critical of that. But um, he's, he's still never going to be an out-and-out number nine who scores all your goals. So um, well, we'll see how it goes on. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Just going back to Cosgrove, because he obviously got subbed at half-time, half-time and it was completely fair. He got subbed off at half-time, Ollie for no reason other than poor performance. It wasn't because we changed tactics. It wasn't to give someone else another half. He was so abjectly bad that he had to come off because he was hamstringing us, wasn't he? And, and there was a lot of people talking around me. And, and, and at half-time, I say, I met, met my friends who I've not seen for a while and went down and actually had a pint at half-time, talked to them. They've obviously not seen Shrewsbury Town all season. Um, we'd, I'd obviously given them a little bit of a brief about what to expect. And they listened to the podcast we did last week, which gave them a bit of an eye-opening thought about what they were coming to watch. But um, 
they, their main comments were about Cosgrove. They were like, what, what's he all about? Where's he come from? And I sort of had to explain, oh, yeah, he was a £2 million player and he's come to Shrewsbury Town now. And their their, their response, un, unaided, without me um, you know, prompting them, was he doesn't really look like he wants to be here. And, and I think that's the prevailing attitude I probably had on Saturday is that he doesn't look like he wants to be playing for Shrewsbury Town Football Club. And we've had a few lone players like that over the years where they've come here and it's clearly a, a step down for them or they've just not got the motivation to to play all that well and I, I, I'm sick of him I can't I can't want, I don't want to see Cosgrove play for us particularly again anymore I just think if that's what you're going to turn in for 45 minutes you might as well just loan cancel the loan send him back and let's just give Blogs blog some a few more games I suppose if you want a target man I'm pr- pretty sick of Cosgrove and um, I think it was a pretty prevailing attitude of that under the concourse at half time I don't remember the last time where there's been a half time where everyone is saying one player's playing particularly poor yeah, I'd agree. Because the rest of the team weren't doing too bad. They were working hard. No, yes, no. clearly we know that we know the issues we have with this squad. We don't have uh, a decent midfielders, and we don't have that number ten, which we so desperately need. But I've never seen, I've never heard so many Shrewsbury Town fans criticise one player, and everyone thought that he was going to be subbed off at half time. Then we saw, um, um, we saw Bowman warming up at half time, so that was a, that was a nice to see. But yeah, just just closing Great off his performance, his it mm. was poor, and it wasn't poor in the sense that. Not really too. Yes, he didn't look like he was trying very hard, but I think that's again that's a caveat in the fact that we weren't pressing. So he probably was going to look a bit like that because we weren't pressing as a team on Saturday. But the thing I felt frustrating him is he's he's supposed to be a target man. I don't know. We still don't know what he is. How many times did he misjudge a long kick? How many times did he just not control the ball? How many times did he get? So when you're doing the football manager stats, I'd love to know what strength you're going to give him. Is it four? Out of twenty, he's so. I'm not weak. allowed to change it. Yeah, he's yeah, so I'm not allowed weak, to change it yet. He? He's just weak in, in so many aspects of his game. That tell you what, um, Aberdeen did the 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 deal of the century when they sold him <laughs> for two million to Birmingham. <laughs> Yeah, he can't pass either, which is a bit of a drawback. He played out of play a couple of times in the end. Yeah, just just an ab- absolutely abject performance. I think um, I, I was trying to think of someone who played that bad in a half and like trying to remember it. And it's always one always stands out to me was Jeremy Helan um, when we had him on loan. I think he was on loan from Sheffield Wednesday, maybe. I can't even remember where we got him from at that point in time. And he had a game in front of the West Stand, um, and I think he played like a half in one of maybe his first games. And he was he didn't look fit. He didn't look interested. He was absolutely abject. I don't know. When you try to think of the worst half you've ever seen a footballer have, and, and that would up there at the new meadow that's for sure but um there we go anyway you went off ollie and we did also tinker with a few bits and bobs didn't we to try and make us a bit um you know more dangerous on the counter-attack second half we did we had a lot more energy didn't we with bowman coming yes, on he, he made a sure. big impact i think also the change as well of formation helped as well wally was playing a bit more of a tech or sorry was playing in that three four three formation i don't think it really worked a doe pushing a bit more up and Wally going to a threat midfield three of what helped loads and, and actually helped us both attacking and defensive, defensively because we had a bit more pressure in the centre, really stopped them getting forward really, really well. That was, was great tactical change and good performance from the players. But also having Bowman and Odo um, and kind of put a bit more pressure on their back three as well. So that was a good tactical change by the manager, wasn't it, Glenn? Yeah, Doe works his bollocks. Uh, sorry, Bowman works his bollocks off when he came on. Which, considering he was in hospital for a heart complaint last week, is was staggering how hard he was really pushing himself. You would have thought, you know, there'd be a little bit of nervousness there, and we might even have just, you know, taken him out of the firing line this week. So I thought he deserves a lot of credit for really fighting back from probably probably an incredibly ex- um, scary experience last week. And you know, cardio, heart issues are not something to to really mess around with. We've just seen that Newcastle game today. Someone had um, some sort of incident in the stands, and the game got called off. And sounds like again a defibrillator being on site, similar to. Bowman last week was absolutely vital to this person continuing to live. So, um, yeah, we didn't really pass on the sort of medical uh, support, uh, the, the sort of praise for the medical team last week, as much as I think we probably should have last week for Bowman, because it sounds like they they got his heart back in a rhythm um, with a defib. So amazing, really. Um, but yeah, I thought he did fantastic when he came on. I think that you're right. Ado and, and Wally found a little bit more space second halves on those on those transitions from defence into attack, and it just got us on the front foot a little bit more. And Bowman offered more in terms of you know running and taking defenders away to open up the space. I think that was um, pretty key for me in terms of just you know when we got it in midfield, there was a little bit more space to run into really. And also, he got the crowd growing as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, that, was good. that helped the team um, keep going and creating that little bit of noise. Um, we started to get fans to get a bit flat at the end of the first half because oh, of massive. the lack of yeah. pressing and the style of play that we were going for. But yeah, I thought um, Bowman coming on helped kind of jeer the fans up a bit as well. 
yeah, I think it was good to get another striker on. And um, yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, we, it was still, let's be brutally honest about it. We'll come to the goal because it wasn't too far off this. The pan wasn't too different though, was it? We still no, exactly very rarely the had tactics. the ball. <laughs> exactly the same tactics. Defensive, sit deep, don't press, wait for your opportunities. And and then they did come. So Wally wins the ball. Again, that move in central field I thought really helped. He wins the ball, passes to Ado. Ado just goes on like, you know, the charge of the light brigade, just goes flying forward and turns. And, you know, he could have gone down potentially and one of their mm. midfielders nearly took him down. And then he plays a, a Perlo-esque through ball to Wally, who beats the offside trap, <laughs> runs into the box, steadies himself, smashes it into the back of the net and then runs to um, the cameraman to be to have for the cameraman to take a photo, which I think is going to... Was going to stay the step of time. I think we remember that photo for a long time. Yeah, massive pressure release, and um, yeah, there's two photos, isn't there? There's the one that's like the video where Wally runs over to the cameraman, and you can kind of see him pointing at the camera because it was a massive goal in a pretty stressful period for the football club on the pitch. Um, but yeah, there's a picture of the, the town, uh, the town fans in the south stand, isn't there? And it's you know everyone from sort of old, old guys, old ladies, through to young kids, and everybody's sort of yeah, smiling. There's not photo. a camera camera phone in sight is there you know no one's got their iPhones out recording it and just a real kind of football moment I do I do agree with you it's the sort of thing they should be using to you know put um part of, you know the, the literature at the end of the season you know awards together that photo needs to be part of it because it'll be probably quite a big part of it um I believe they probably wish the seats weren't quite as empty um but there we go um but yeah massive moment um and in terms of the context of the game was we choose for us to get a first goal for once Ollie because we've also been chasing so many games that you know once we're ahead and we're playing this completely you know low block you know don't have much of the ball sit deep and just kick and head everything away tactic giving a team like um you know and particularly our three inspired center backs giving them something to hold on to in this game would have just made them play an extra 10 percent um, and they, they were just imperious from that point onwards yeah we defended so well um yeah. not that the maybe the, i don't know what doncaster did um, maybe it was similar but yeah this is the blueprint isn't it to, to beat mk dons um, it yes. wasn't it wasn't as joyous as last time they turned up and like absolutely i don't know just yeah just just played really badly and gifted us three goals in 21 minutes but but this was what we needed wasn't it glenn you know, last season when we won those important games, um, it was playing this style of football. Getting that that goal first was key, and I think whoever got the first goal in this game was probably going to go on to win. Here's a question for you, Ollie. We didn't start the season playing like this. No. Let's be brutally honest. We we tried to play a bit more attacking yeah, and, and have a go at teams. We? Yeah. Um, do you think that it's reached a point with Cottrell now that he's had to resort back to the firefighting stage at which he Im- implemented when he first came in last season? Because let's be honest about it, the games we won last season, those away at those big teams, was this tactic. It was really, really sit deep and just look to prey on counters with a little bit of quality in the right moments. And we got, obviously, those big, big wins, didn't we, away from home? Um, to me, I feel like maybe this week, um, and particularly, well, including Ipswich, because we played the same way at Ipswich last week, but to do it at home against MK Dons, who are, yeah, a fancied and, and, a, and a footballing team, but it's still only MK Dons, do you know what I mean? You know, it, fe- it feels to me like we're probably going to see this tactic, Ollie, most weeks, everywhere. I, I would imagine we'll play exactly the same at Oxford away, for example. Um, but I also think we'll probably play very similar at home to Cambridge, which might niggle fans, but I, I can't see us not playing like this for a few weeks, at least until things have, have got us out of the relegation zone, if they get results. I would say we've been playing this way since Crew mid-early mm. September. That's fair, uh, yeah. Maybe even away at Stanley. Um, on all those games, we definitely did it against when Wickham. We were, it was long ball football. Um, obviously, away at um, Bolton was the same. Away at Ipswich was the same. So yeah, even against Wolves under twenty ones was the same. Obviously, we mentioned this last week. Yeah, mm. we, I think losing Vela makes it even more important to play this way. We literally don't have you know Davis is not a um, you know he's not known for his passing. He's not known for his his ball carrying. We messed Vela immensely and yeah I think we're going to play this way until we can recruit whether this will be the future style forever I guess it will depend on how long the manager lasts and all on the results and how they go but let's be positive if we you know we're fine when we get if we get if we're in a savable position when we get to January we sign a few more midfielders I would imagine we'll probably try and evolve the football again but yeah. I think this is needs must at the moment um, with the players we have 
I think so. And it, but it's risky. You know, if you get result like you did on Saturday, that's fine. You might even nick the odd result away from home. But playing completely negatively, kind of counter-attacking football at home to a Cambridge and losing is not the sort of thing. No, that it's all about really results. So it's, it's quite fine margins, as old Mickey Mellon would say. So yeah, that's to come down the line, isn't it? And you know, it is one win after a pretty bad run. So um, yeah, you know, we need to look at this result in isolation, and enjoy the win. But there's a there's a wider context to the season, isn't there? So um, yeah, there we go. Um, I thought after we scored, Ollie, we we pretty much game managed it as well as we could in that situation. We still coughed up a lot of the ball. Um, didn't really create too many chances after we scored, to be honest with you. And um, we did a bit of time wasting. Let's be brutally honest about it, Ollie. They were raging at Morosi whenever anyone went down. It was quite a long delay. It was a few slow throw-ins, and um, you know we'd have been fuming about that now. But um, if it was the other way around, but we had to, didn't we? We had to just whatever we need to do to get that win at the end of the day. They were going to have to do, weren't they? Yeah, we, we game managed the game out. We took our time. I don't think Morosi was that bad, to be honest. Um, I thought we just kind of slowed the game around generally. And MK Dons just kind of changed their tactics. They seem to get frustrated. Um, Troy Parrott on loan from um, Spurs didn't impress me at all. He's a good player. But yeah, he's, he's supposed money. to be a good player, but uh, second time we've seen him now and he doesn't mm. doesn't really look very special. Yeah, we've defended really well. So tactically, we really, really did a good job to stop MK Dons playing their game. We obviously we blocked their channels, we blocked their avenues out, and we did a great job there. And we was, they ended up playing some long balls and some long crosses. Now, they did have a chance near the end, and they really should have got that header on target at least, um, and that could have maybe made the game a draw. But yeah, I thought we did really, really well. Um, but what was the highlight for you going in the last, uh, last 10, 20 minutes of the game? I quite, I quite enjoyed Morosi when he caught one ball and he jumped onto the floor and just <laughs> lied down like old Dean Anderson used to do. That was a bit of a throwback to uh, happier times, Ollie. Um, I think, yeah, there was that moment where Tom Bloxham came on, didn't he? And yeah. just basically chased around like an absolute mad lad um, and eventually fouled Lewington. So that, that was really good, to be fair. And um, I think a few people think he got booked for that, but no, I, don't, <laughs> I looked on the BBC and he didn't get booked in the end. No. So um, that's fine. Um, bad things were Leahy got a booking, didn't he? So he suspended yeah. for Oxford, which wasn't great. No, um, got injured. Nurse got injured, so quite quite knows what we're going to have at Oxford or even for Cambridge next week because we need Pierre back fairly urgently. If well, we played for a, while. a funny formation, weren't we? In the end, because we basically had Davis weird. in the All middle, the we yeah. had Worley next to him, and then we had like Pike, Bloxham, Bowman, like just load of strikers in front of them, and um, just kind of shielding them. Um, and it comes back down to um, to um, to the squad building, but yeah. We deserved. I thought. I think we. You know. We worked hard, and I thought we deserved to to, to get the three points in oh, that game overall. If if you're an MK Dons fan, you'd be livid. You haven't won that game, surely. You, all well, that didn't create that many you know, chances you... on target, though. Their XG was only point <laughs> no, nine. But yeah, I'd be frustrated in terms of the sense that Shrewsbury didn't try to win the game, and we came no. attacked and we got the result. But well, I'd be happy to have a conversation with an MK Dons fan. They can't say that they absolutely bossed the game. The they didn't. They, they had quite a few shots, but. Their XG is so low, really, you know, 0.9. Ours was 0.22, which is just funny. Terrible. One with that such a low <laughs> XG. But having so many shots, like 15 or something, and only having 0.9 tells you that they had poor quality chances. That's because of the tactics yep. and the hard work of the players. So I can understand why yeah. you understand what they mean. They're frustrated, but um, they didn't deserve to win. I mean, even as even me, and you might not agree with this, but I felt like it, we smashed and grabbed, wind it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we had hardly any of the ball, we scored one, oh, yeah, chance that, that, that's, and, that's and we won it. And, and if yeah. I was an opposition fan, I'd be thinking, Jesus Christ, lucky bastards. But um, at the end of the day, that was the tactic, and it actually worked. So we, you know, that was what we were playing for. So we can't really be too critical of Cotter on that account. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, if I'd have sat there and watched my team for ninety minutes have you know whatever it was eighty odd possession of the ball and not create enough chances to win a game, you would be seventy six percent possession. They seventy six. Um, but then obviously they they do play the ball around a lot around the back and in, in non dangerous areas. Um, but yeah, they yeah. dominate possession. Um, but we got the win, which was which was which is key. And and as you were saying earlier on, Glenn, you were saying about you know you're frustrated. You know if you're fans you're watching that game. If you win, you don't care, do you? And that's the important yeah. bit. And that's the flip of it. Yeah, that style of football can be really frustrating. It can be boring to watch. It's not particularly inspiring, but God, if you man. win, you leave happy, and that and that's the override of emotion. I certainly did, yeah, and and I totally agree with you. And and you know we are here sitting here and doing a, you know maybe a forty-five minute podcast on a game, so we're going to strip out some of the negatives and look at the possession stats and all that sort of thing. But it's in the in the context of you know a brilliant goal and a great moment and nice final celebrations. One of the things I noticed at the end, Ollie, was um you know the centre backs and the goalkeeper kind of all got together and sort of you know had a real kind of 
finally, we got that clean sheet. It, it meant so much to them um, because they've clearly been working all season to try and get to that point. And, you know, on the off chance that you're going to get at least a point, aren't you, if you keep a clean sheet? So um, we need a few more of those. So I thought that was really nice to see. Um, interesting Cottrell didn't come onto the pitch at all, Ollie. I thought that was quite interesting considering all the other wins this season. He's come around and clapped the fans. He did not even step foot on the pitch, which was... Um, interesting, but uh, we shall get to Cottrell's post-match in a minute because um, I'm going to leave that in your hands. Um, but yeah, as soon as it happened, I walked into town and went straight to the House of Grain down at the bottom of the, the World Cup, sat outside in a, in a reasonably balmy kind of October evening, had a pint with my friends and kind of had a quick chat about the game. And then, yeah, it was just nice to not have to stress about it and say Cottrell said something to the press that's wound everybody up or, you know, get get all caught up with it. It was nice to just, yeah, enjoy a Saturday night only. Yeah, and the Shooter fans were clearly happy. There's a lot more activity. Yeah. Um, some Shrewsbury fans even phoned up BBC Shropshire. I saw a few people talking about, like you know, percentage-wise of time, um, um, kind of you know, donated to to Telford and Shrewsbury. The biggest way we can kind of fix that is actually Shrewsbury fans phoning up. So I feel sorry for Mark sometimes. I understand why Shrewsbury fans are not phoning up because they're a bit bored of it. But yeah, if we want more Shrewsbury Town um, mm. coverage and to give Mark Elliott a bit of company, I'd <laughs> suggest people phone up. It's funny though because I used to phone up quite a lot or do fan of the day, and I know you used to go up there. But now we do this, I don't really feel like phoning. Into the no, radio no, 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 not us. So I think people hear enough of our voices going well. I yeah. know exactly. That's um, my point. Yeah, we need other fans to phone up and share their yeah. opinions. No, it's good. Helps us. It's good to listen to the other fans on 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 the verdict. Yeah, exactly. It helps us with the podcast as well. <laughs> more context of how people are feeling. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. So talking of um, talking of people, Glenn, who was your top three? I thought we might have seen one of uh, Ebanks Landell's best games in a town shirt um, for pure defensive performance. I thought he was absolutely amazing. Looked like a real leader. That was what one of my friends noted as well. They said he looked like the leader at the back, which was interesting because maybe we haven't kind of picked up on that so much. He's obviously been made captain this season, Ollie, which is probably why he is a leader and we've just not been recognising it enough, I suppose. But yeah, he really was a leader and he was, my second place was Pennington, able deputy, um, fantastic. I thought his calmness on the ball when it kind of fell to him in the box and just passing it out and giving easy to Bennett and you know, Bennett's a calm player as well they, they did kind of not have to scrap too many things away they were much calmer than you may have expected with that possession against us but he was really good and I, and I went for the third centre back for third place Nurse who was also really good um, clearly playing a little bit out of position but netted in with Pennington and Ebanks wasn't significantly worse than them um, and I thought you know in a game like that I appreciate Wally had the moment but um over the course of the game, he didn't really do too much. But for me, I think if you're going to look at that performance and why we've won, um, you've got to you've got to pay much more due regard to the three centre backs than anyone else. But um, that was just me. Can't disagree with that too much, Glenn. Um, I think that was fair. Um, I went for Ebanks first. I thought he just had an absolutely um, fabulous performance, real captain's um, performance. Wally, I disagree with you in terms of. I thought defensively, I thought he worked tirelessly. Um, I thought he worked really, yeah, really well. True. Um, no one really did that much going forward apart from Wally, obviously, with the goal. Ado was fantastic in the goal, a brilliant finish from Wally. So, yeah, I went for second because I don't normally sometimes do for the obvious ones, but, yeah, he scored the goal, which was key. And then Pennington as well. I thought he was absolutely superb. Um, and Nurse was good um, as well. But, you know, Davis had a good game. Bowman did well when he came on. Um, we had Bennett had a good game as well. Morosi had a good game as well. You know, everyone a better. Just talk about a better for a second. One is I thought his tackling was superb in that game. I, I haven't checked, but I imagine his, his you know his kind of his dual percentage wins were probably quite high. He seemed to win some really key tackles against you know a really good wing back against him. Mm. Um, but one thing I love about him so much is you just can't you can't stop. Um, Ogbetta being Ogbetta and even though we're playing direct football he just plays football he what he gets the ball he looks up and he finds a man and even though we're playing direct football he will always try and pass so it'll be interesting to see how how the manager coaches him on that at the moment because yeah it was just great to see him back in the team um, we do have Lee he's been playing great Nurse is playing great so it's a bit of a shame that the three of the best players this season are left backs but yeah. I'm pleased to see Ogbetta back in the side and it'll be fascinating to see who starts left wing back on Tuesday night and Saturday. It'll be fascinating to see who starts anywhere with the injuries and suspensions yeah. we're going to have, Ollie. So who knows, to be honest with you. Yeah, we didn't mention, did we? Pierre is out injured and Josh Daniels is out injured at the moment as well. So, yeah, and Nurse potentially as well. So, you know, it doesn't take much. I'll tell you what, Glenn, I don't know if you brought FIFA, but um, no, playing with Shrewsbury on FIFA, it's really funny because you literally got no subs at all. So I am playing, <laughs> playing a little career mode game, doing quite well. Um, Cosgrove actually scores goals on FIFA, unlike he does in real life. Um, but yeah, I think I've signed about six players. Um, but yeah, is the youth team time. not in FIFA? Have you not got youth players? Uh, they're not good enough. They're only like fifty-five, whatever. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about FIFA. So, um, what did the manager have to say? Um, he 
looked like he had a bumblebee in his mouth. He doesn't look very happy oh, at all. Um, so, yeah, he said it's been a long time coming, a clean sheet against a good side. Um, we played with a, a game plan and some good tactical discipline. Um, on the clean sheet, Glenn, and I did mention this name on Saturday, and he mm. seems very sensitive. Sensitive <laughs> Steve is what I'm calling Steve Cottrell now because we just won. You'd think he'd be happy. you think he could just go to his performance and go, right, fantastic. We're going to talk about a win and we're we'll talking about positive things. But then he goes on this little rant about, and no doubt a few people have been hung up about us not getting a clean sheet. And he goes on this rant about how he doesn't care if we haven't had a clean sheet um, because he's really happy oh, yeah, if we okay. win 2-1 every week. No one's. Be- <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. And the fact that he has to say it in that way shows that he does care about it and he's incredibly exactly. sensitive. So he's... He's very grumpy. He's a very grumpy man, isn't he? We haven't won that many games 2-1, have we, Ollie? So this really, no, we've lost three really... in a row before this game. <laughs> exactly. So I do like the name Sensitive Steve. It does kind of cover him without being too harsh as well. So it's quite a quite a good name. Um, You know, we've obviously been talking about clean sheets for quite a while. I very much doubt he's referring to us, but um, clearly the message has been getting through to him from somewhere. Um, Who knows how? But um, it is important to keep clean sheets, and it is massively important. And I can't believe any manager in the world want, one wouldn't want more clean sheets and wouldn't worry be worried about a run of 16 games without a clean sheet. It's absolutely bonkers. It's one of the longest runs in, without a clean sheet in our club's history so it's not like it was you know a couple of games without a clean sheet and he doesn't need to worry about it it was a statistically anomalous period of time that went on without one so yeah, I don't know he he, didn't, he still doesn't really ever accept anything's um, kind of what it is sometimes does he but um, I, I, did, I didn't listen to him did he manage to get through the whole interview this week Ollie without falling out with anyone he it was interesting it was really interesting <laughs> at one point when it was the sec- after the BBC Shropshire bit and he was being interviewed by Lewis Cox you literally had no idea where Lewis Cox was because he kept looking left right I figured out that Lewis Cox was on from the sound was on like the left as you're watching, and he never looked at him hardly at all. So oh dear. I think he's. I don't think Steve Koch was very happy with anyone. Um, <laughs> Stuart Dunn did ask him about the fans, and he almost had to. You could almost see him going. I can't say anything negative about the fans. I'm gonna have to be positive, and there was a bit of a pause. But obviously, we don't know what he might have said mm. if if he if he'd had a few beers or if he was trying to be honest. But he doesn't seem very happy at all, which is no. fine. Um, I did tweet on Saturday, didn't I, Glint, about the media. And it is difficult for the media. They've got to stand yep. in front of this very spiky, sensitive manager um, who can get quite aggressive. And it's clearly something happened last week, as we covered. But the press conference for this game was so odd. It was half an hour long, and there was no discussion about tactics, performance, or results. Bonkers. And it is a bit odd. Um, so he can get as spiky and as upset as he wants, He's getting an easy, I would say, an easy ride at the moment because mm. we've got good people who are doing the press in Shrewsbury. They're not, they're not out there to try and set him up. Um, they're just asking him genuine questions, and they ask him, I say, probably quite nice, fair, quite quite tame questions. Um, unless, well, maybe that's what Stuart didn't do last week, and that's why maybe why the club censored it. Um, but mm. yeah, it's it's an interesting topic, and yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much. I think we've said enough about it, but um, yeah, it is what it is. That's a tough job, completely completely tough job for the press at the moment, and it is, always is with any kind of manager when they're not when they're not doing a very good. But I think particularly with Steve Cottrell, and um, yeah, we'll see. Sensitive Steve, we'll see if that returns. I I would imagine that um, Danny and uh, Lewis Cox were absolutely delighted we won this week because <laughs> having to ask him any tricky questions about losing from Gaydon's at home with eighteen percent possession or nineteen percent possession, whatever it was you said before, I don't think that that would have been much of an easy job for him. So I bet they were they were just as relieved on Saturday night as all the town fans were, Ollie. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. <laughs> so yeah, that was the game. Uh, Shrewsbury Town won. We won again, and so yeah, we both went on the beers, and um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And so yeah, let's look ahead to the FA Cup um, and the games coming up this week. Collins checks, opening up for Collins here. Collins goes for goal. What a goal that is for James Collins! Oh, what a goal! Yeah, as good as the one we've just seen at the other end. So Ollie, um, yeah, Sunday today. So um, I've watched a bit of footy on the telly. Well, I've nursed my hangover all day today. But yeah, one thing at one o'clock I did watch was um, the draw for the FA Cup first round. Um, so yeah, lots of teams there we wouldn't have wanted, um, which we managed to avoid pretty much all of them, I think. But we have been drawn away at a non-league team, um, and it will be Boston United or Stratford Town, which when they were initially drawn, I wasn't sure whether this was Stratford in Stratford-upon-Avon or Stratford in London, but it turns out it's the Midlands one, Ollie. So, yeah, nice and local. Stratford Town away, I will take that over Boston any day of the week, mate. Yeah, Boston is... I will I will be banned from going to Boston uh, with, <laughs> um, with Baby Lumen. Maybe Stratford-upon-Avon I could maybe negotiate. But, mm. um, yeah, Stratford would be a lot more fun as well. I didn't even know they had a football team, um, to be honest. Not um, me. So no. that would be a, a new ground for most Town fans, I'm sure. 
They'll both be new grounds, um, other than our ground hoppers. Have we not been to Boston when we were in lower leagues? Whatever, Boston's been in the football league, haven't they, at some point? They've got a new stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've got a new stadium. Good so, knowledge, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, so they both be new stadiums, but we have obviously played Boston six times before. Um, and, yeah, when, when we, we played them the first time when they come up into the league in the relegation to the conference season, um, and we had that very dark day in Bolton uh, in Boston, which I've mentioned a few times, where we lost 6-0 on a foggy day, and it took hours and hours to come home in the fog. It's one of my all-time worst away trips. So if we have to go to Boston, then that's going to raise some uh, some problems. But we've also we also played them when we got back in the league, and we haven't actually lost to them. Um, and... Uh, since that game and, and I think we beat them I think it was 5-0 off the top of my head um, back back at the Meadow um, so, since, since then so we've got a fairly good record against Boston which is good so yeah either way um, games that if we <laughs> games that potentially are still cup shocks and I don't know do you think it's something that might be tempted to get put on the telly? Mm, I can't see it <laughs> not with Sunderland, Ipswich, Pompey etc in our division um, can't yeah, but they want a shock, don't they? And those teams are probably going to cruise through, whereas we're yeah. vulnerable. But they aren't we? also want attendance figures as well, so mm, I can't maybe. see it happening. Interestingly, I was just looking where Boston's ground is and just checking. Yeah, their ground is so new; it's it's actually a building site on Google Maps. So it is a new stadium. <laughs> you're correct. Um, so yeah. I think yeah, that could be a good one. I just didn't want Warsaw away. Didn't want Gillingham away. Didn't no. want another League One team. So um, it's funny, I was watching it and I was going, oh, no, don't want them, don't want them. And Becky said, are you going to comment on every single draw? And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Goes on a while, the FA Cup first it, round. Oh, well, especially with rabbiting on Christ. for 10 minutes at the start as well. Yeah. So anyway, we'll be, let's, let's, let's not being too negative. But actually, we are going to be negative now, Glenn. Hold on, hold on. There's one thing on the cup before we move on to your next question I just wanted to mention. Do you know the only bad thing about leaving the stadium on Saturday was is that I was aware that Marine were beating Wrexham in the FA Cup um, and <laughs> and I and I looked at I looked at my you know BBC scores just as I was leaving the ground and that Wrexham got a 1-1 draw, didn't they? They avoided the ignominy of getting knocked out by a non-league team and particularly being Marine, who obviously we beat 11-2 back in the day. So yeah, that was a bit upsetting. So um, you know, there's still the potential we might be able to play Wrexham in the second round, Ollie. Who knows? But um, there we go. That was, that was the only negative leaving the stadium. Wrexham them at home particularly uh, in the FA Cup would be quite a tasty draw wouldn't it it would be a lot of fun I was hoping for that Kidderminster away that's a nice local one I'd definitely be able to get to that one Um, but yeah lots of fun I love the FA Cup Um, it's always enjoyable yeah, there was. I saw some people tweeting. We don't need this. We don't need a run in the FA Cup. Well, that's what I always say. Too... Maybe people listen yeah. to me, Glenn, because I always say it can be a distraction. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because there's no point winning the FA Cup and then losing um, at home to Cambridge or whatever um, no. in the no. FA Cup. Mm. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out anyway. But there we go. Interesting draw. You know, better than the most boring, you know, ones that we've had in some of the years recently. So there we go. Go on. You wanted to be negative, Ollie. What was this next question? Well, I was. I'm not being. Ne- I am being negative in the sense that I'm bringing putting this topic on the agenda. But it was on Twitter from, from a, one of those football um, Twitter accounts got a million followers. Yeah, I saw that. And um, basically said like, "What is your worst player?" And obviously, it's quite it's quite topical because quite a few people, poorly true, for example, were saying Cosgrove. Um, but they had some special ones, haven't we, Glenn? That's a few in here. But I'm going to mention my few, then you can go. So for go me, on. I'd put Anthony Gerrard, Sheffield, oh, you, know, you know, Chesterfield away. <laughs> that was pretty. I saw someone talk about um, Ryan McGiven. Um, I thought that was, that was he was quite a, a poor player for us. Um, and yeah, there was a, a few others. Obviously, there was Chris Bright was mentioned as well. Um, yeah. Nathan Elder was mentioned as well. Um, so there's quite a few. Interesting players, let's say. Um, and yeah, Chris Owen um, talked about Dave Winfield as well. Um, mm. So there's a few, but Ian Gibson was Cosgrove, Pulisher was Cosgrove. Quite a few people said um, Cosgrove as well. It's amazing, isn't it? He's up, he's up there on that list. I think it's it's interesting because a lot of the people are on Twitter. Um, you know, there's probably a bit of a younger age group. Yeah. You know, probably and it's a small number of fans as well, isn't it? Yeah, and there have been a lot of terrible shoe town players from the 60s and 70s and 80s. I know from talking to some of the older fans I used to play in the away sports with. So, be interesting to see a definitive list of the players that were that worst in that era. But in my time, uh, you know, I can remember Mendes Lang. You know unfit, out of shape, terrible footballer and um, yeah, I, I think he would be right up there. There's Gozi Ugwu as well um, and, and again, one of the early terrible players I remember everybody kind of not really getting on with was Dean Pieroli, um back in those early days at the Game Meadow. So, uh, but I, you know, it's one of those things, sadly, I could come up with a very long list of players I thought were terrible. Um, but I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to do that and see who I think were genuinely the worst but um, there we go. Um, it, was, it was a good question and um, yeah, maybe we should do some more of those every week actually, sort of who's your best player or best goal and kind of get a bit of a nice vibe of it but um there we go. We shall switch back to football quickly now and wrap this one up quick because um, it's only been a one-game week um, and we've pretty much covered everything else. But yeah, two big games coming up, as we just previously mentioned last week. Um, Tuesday night, Oxford away. 
tricky with, with a depleted squad now um, and then a massive game again still next Saturday against against Cambridge as much as the win has relieved the pressure a little bit it could soon be back on if we lose away at Oxford so um, I don't know what are you thinking about where this week's going to go mate? Oxford's tough isn't it away at Oxford yes um, last time we went there we had, we had a dreadful performance they beat Sheffield Wednesday away 2-1 um, they, but then they lost to Plymouth um, 3-1 on, on Saturday Plymouth are doing really well this season aren't they they're, they're having a great season and Cambridge are yeah, doing really well as well you know they drew with Ipswich 2-all yesterday, um, yesterday they drew with Crew 2-all I uh, guess they lost to um, to Gillingham but they did start the season well they beat Portsmouth 2-1 um, and then they drew with Fleetwood as well so you know they've had some decent results they've picked up a few draws um, they're higher in the tables than us at the moment um, but yeah, for me, Oxford, I don't expect us to get anything. Losing at home to Cambridge. Um, if we beat Cambridge, we'll go level on points to them, um, even though they've yeah, played... Yeah, they're a few points better off than us. Yeah, but they played, <laughs> they've played two less games, Glenn. Exactly. That's yeah. put into context. So we're, we're, of a, of, we're of a handful of teams that have played 13 games. Um, it's unbelievable that Charlton Athletic are below us. Um, we're just in the relegation it's zone still. We're 21st. But a result against Cambridge is... I'd go as far to say a must. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's quite interesting. It, it is fascinating. I mean, just sorry, look at the table quickly before I get to those two games. Gillingham have played the same amount of games of us, as us now and I've only got 11 points as well. Yeah. So they've kind of been a sort of sneakily bad team this season as well, which is quite interesting. We've not, not really mentioned them as strugglers we're going to be battling with against relegation, but they're definitely right in the mire um, with us currently. Yeah, it's interesting. Oxford are, are right up there, aren't they? They're right on the fringe of the playoffs. Um, yeah. 18 points. Um, you know, a win on Tuesday might get them sixth. To be honest with you, they might be sitting in that last playoff place. So they've got motivation to kind of keep keep on the tails of the the teams who are sort of going away at the top of the league. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, it could easily be that we lose at Oxford and then get another gritty home win against Cambridge, and that kind of keeps it keeps the momentum rolling a little bit. You know, six points from nine wouldn't be too bad. Um, so that's where I feel we're at at the moment. But I do I do think that losing to Cambridge must be a no no, um, regardless of what happens at, at, at Oxford. You know, if we somehow got a result at Oxford but still lost to Cambridge, it still feels like a bit. Of we a need momentum, don't we? We need, yes, we we need to build yeah. a bit of momentum. We need to build some results. Everyone knows the problems with the club. Everyone knows the problems mm. um, with the team at the moment. We need results. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a terrible season. So fingers crossed, we can get something. I'm sure you'll be. I doubt it. You'll be driving to Oxford, Glenn, but um, both be there on Saturday. I'm sure. No, it's an iFollow game, isn't it? So I'll be watching yeah. it on iFollow on Tuesday night because it's an away game on a Tuesday. But um, yeah, I won't be able to get away because uh, I work on Tuesday, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be at um, the game next Saturday and uh, I should kind of be at a few away games over the next few weeks on the Saturdays as well. So I'm um, looking forward to that. But yeah, hopefully, yeah, momentum. That's a good way to leave it, Ollie. We need some momentum now. Let's let's use this. Like we've had a couple of wins this season, haven't we, Ollie, where we've said the same thing at the end of the podcast. Can this be the point we kick on? Can we get a couple of wins back to back? Can we you know, start to move up the table and get momentum and... We've left, been left wanting at the end of those podcasts every time, haven't we? Because it hasn't happened. So hopefully it happens this week and and, and we can look forward. But um, I wouldn't be shocked to be coming back next week without momentum. But we shall see, mate. Oh, Glenn, that would be dark to come back after another two defeats. Uh, probably two one defeats, maybe two <laughs> two one defeats in a row. So fingers mm. crossed we can get something this um, this week coming. Um, fingers crossed there can be good atmosphere on Saturday. I think the atmosphere could be quite dark if we if we lose to Oxford and lose to Cambridge at home because Cambridge is a, a <sighs> side. No disrespect to Cambridge, mm. but you know, it's the kind of game that we need to be winning. Uh, and I think the atmosphere could get quite dark. And yeah, I think be tin hats for the media if we lose to Cambridge. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we'll be back next week, Ollie, won't we? Covering whatever happens and uh, hoping for the best, expecting the worst, but um, who knows? We did that last week and we had a good night. So um, up, up, I'm up for more boozy nights on a Saturday night after Towns winning. That's where I'm at at the moment. So um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be back next Sunday.